What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access, a 6.12.2023 edition of Texans All Access. And you will know exactly oh, yeah. why I have said that. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, we've got a lot to do. Oh, yes, we do. We had Media Day today also, in addition to the Watt stuff. And Media Day is not for the regular media. Maybe we should call it something else. This is the day that the networks shoot their guys flexing their arms and that stuff of the video board, too. And the network needs, well, each network needs its own stuff. Yeah. You know, they had one crew doing all of that, mm-hmm. which is sort of inside baseball stuff. Right. And then, you know, we're shooting all the video introduction game day material, social media stuff. And Johnny and I interviewed. I haven't counted yet, but I think it's 30 players. 30 so. players. That's pretty cool. That's it's very cool. It's exhausting. You don't think about eh, 30 interviews, just talk, and you're like 30 different players. Some are good in front of a mic, some aren't so good. But man, I thought the crew that, that came in here was was really, really Honestly, good. It's I, not, I thought we did a really good job with them, by the way. This is not recency bias. I thought it was our best day ever mm-hmm. doing this. I thought the players were better than ever as a group, right? That we interviewed and I really, I never really got tired. It was just one after another, man. And we were doing videos, and Johnny and I were doing the videos ourselves with our own equipment here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. So it was very cool and a, a real privilege to be able to do it. So I'm excited to share much of it. And we're going to share some of it tonight, aren't we? We are going to do that. John Grenard's going to be on the show. We always have fun talking to JG. He's got a great story of. Sticking with the number 52, and if you know a free agent acquisition that once wore the number 52, you'll appreciate that story, and mm-hmm. it was kind of funny, because there was a lot of talk, not today, but about a certain jersey that Kymie Fairbairn had that now is C.J. Stroud. There's a lot of talk about that, but mm-hmm. this story kind of went by the wayside, but it's kind of fun one, so John Goddard will share that, so we'll have that for you a little bit later, but I mentioned the date of 6.12.2023 for a particular reason. That reason which was brilliantly done because on th- was it Thursday or Friday? I think it was Friday, right? Yep. When our social media group just tweeted a silhouette of a Texans player and the date, and that was it. And I thought it was perfect because it was you had no idea what it was, and people were speculating about a lot of different things: jerseys, helmets, could be a new coach, new players, new somebody. What it was, was an announcement that 99 is going into the Ring of Honor. That's right, J.J. Watt coming back home. And if you haven't seen the videos, you need to go see them. J.J. discussing his time in Houston and how happy he's coming home. Our man Tyler Sutterth put out a tremendous video recapping J.J.'s career, narrated by Jim Nance. All of it. Mark, we do this on Monday sometimes. This is just going to open up our conversation. Yep. Gut reaction, 99 coming back home. October 1st against the Pittsburgh Steelers so his brothers can be in the building for this. I think this is just absolutely tremendous. J.J. Watt going into the Ring of Honor. I don't know how we're going to do it yet because we've done them at the half with Mr. McNair and with Andre Johnson. And I don't know if you can do it at the half with T.J. If you want T.J. and Derek, presuming Derek is still on the team, if you want them to be with him when he's inducted, the ceremony we do at the half, that 
is going to eliminate yeah. them, right? They've got to be I in the locker think, room with yeah. the team. Of course. And J.J. You, would understand that, and he would get that. Of course. But maybe you do a pregame. I don't know. Maybe so. it's different this time. We'll see how they want to put it together. But I'm thrilled. How could I not be thrilled? It was so sad two years ago plus when he left and went to go play for the Arizona Cardinals. It was just the Texans going into a different dimension. Yep. And I'm always optimistic, and I'm always looking at the bright side of things. You know this. I'm the Nor Norman Vincent Peel of Sports Talk Radio and Sports Broadcasting. But it was a different era of Texans history. It feels like we're coming out of that era in such a big way, just storming out of that era and swarming. Yeah. Because D'Amico gets hired. Draft day was what it was. Draft night, the opening night, and then the rest of it, of course. And then you have this. Mm -hmm. You have J.J. Watt returning home where he belongs as a Houston Texan immortalized. Those who want the one-day contract or are complaining about it. How could you complain about not having the one-day contract? Yeah. They just, I guess both parties agreed, let's just not do it that way. This is way more important. You get that today anyway. You weren't going to be present for it, and he's going to have a media availability. So there. You're going to get all that anyway, yeah. but immortalize him in the ring of honor. That's what matters here, and then ultimately Canton. Of course, and that's that's coming. So 20, I'm just I'm trying to, so last season was 2022. Mm -hmm. So five years, 2027. Now, hey. hopefully we're making a trip up there before that for 80, um, which should happen before that. But um, it's the fact that in the next five years, we can be making a couple of trips up to Canton will be absolutely badass. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. This was this was 99's day. And the, what I tweeted, you, you mentioned the Cardinals. And there are so many things to talk about with with J.J., I think some of the, the the best stories I have end up being off the field or at the end of a game in this case. But we went to go play Arizona at 21. It was the last time I've seen J.J. And when he left here in early 21 to go to Arizona, so we see him the last game and that's that. And, and it happens a lot of times, you know, in the NFL. It's kind of school's out, right? Right. Students go home for the summer. And, you know, we still come to work here at the building and in the building and do what we got to do. But we don't see those guys for three, four months. And then we have the desert and then they're back for the season. We see them every day. So when J.J. played that last game against Tennessee, that was it. That was the last time that we had seen him for most of us. So he goes to Arizona. We're playing Arizona. I can't remember. Week five, week seven. We go out to Arizona. And I've never done this at the end of a game. And I thought, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, maybe I can catch a minute. With DeAndre, maybe I'd catch him in it with JJ. So I happened to see DeAndre first, and I talked to him, and that about broke me up. And I turn around, and I just thought, okay, well, can I get to JJ? And JJ had just finished talking to somebody, and I just happened to catch his eye. And he was about to go off the field, and he stopped, and he came back to me to shake my hand and give me a hug. And he, I just remember the only thing I remember him saying was, "Don't worry, John, it's going to be all right. Don't worry, it's going to be okay." And I'm like. How in the heck does he know to reassure me at this moment? Yeah, like, you know, it's right. hard. I mean, we just got crushed. So maybe he was, but it was like, it's going to be okay. And I tweeted today, well, now it's okay. Now it's okay because he's back where where I think Houston fans know he belongs, where he probably down deep knew he belonged in this city. And it's weird because one of the things I thought about, Mark, I thought about this, and I don't know, I mean, it's just the way that I'm wired. He was so good. He was so good in so many different ways. I always thought about that day when he would finally say, 
I'm done. I'm no longer playing for this team and like what that was going to be like. And I just, you know, when he retired, it was kind of that moment too of like, oh my God, like he's the greatest I've ever seen live. And now I don't get to see him anymore. We don't Mm -hmm. get to see him anymore. It's kind of strange. But today, the Ring of Honor, you know, obviously we get a little bit of a heads up and all that. So we kind of had a feeling, you know, we knew what the silhouette was all about. And there were a lot of people that kind of picked it out and knew it um, so we could be prepared with content and things like that. But it was just, it was like, yeah, it just, so much about it felt right. Yeah. Timing wise, with everything that's going on this offseason, there's just so much about it that just felt right. Like it was the right, it's the right thing at the right time. I just always felt, Mark, we would be doing this in 25 or 26. You know, I thought it play longer. Were, yeah, I thought there would be a few more years. I think the toll of 17, 16, 17, and then part of 19. 19, and then 21. Yeah, 21. Yeah. Because Johnny, I, last year he stayed healthy for the most part, right? Yeah, 22, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that that was, and I thought maybe that would carry him to another season. Like, well, I made it through. Right. And, One more, yeah. But he's been through it enough to know, hey, there are no guarantees. And he's not Andrew Luck in this way. Right. But I look at him in a Luck-like way. Some of the things that Luck or people talked about Luck experiencing, which was, do you really want to go through another long-term rehab? Correct. You've done it so many times. If it happens again, you know, people assume, ah, oh, you just heal up. You'll be back in a few months. The money's great. Why wouldn't you do it? What they have to go through, they meaning those that have to recover to get back to the starting line of a game day, never mind the season, a game day, just to play a game, is so difficult, arduous, the yep. way he works. Yeah, he felt like it was done. I mean, Andre's talked about this. You know it. As a player, you just know it. You know when it's time. He knew it was time. Now, back to us, because that's the most important thing. <laughs> he belongs to us, and it felt weird that he was a Cardinal. I have and a picture that um, I think it was Michelle. I can't remember who took it. I have a picture shaking hands with him, like at that moment, of shaking hands with him yeah. at the end of the game, and he's in a Cardinals jersey, and I look at that. I'm, I'm perplexed by it. Yeah. Like I'm perplexed, like, what to do. It's a great picture. It's an odd-looking thing. It, it just is strange. And he played well there, but yeah. it's an odd-looking look. Same with DeAndre. It's kind of a sweet uniform in, in its own way, but it just doesn't look right on them to right. me. And for J.J. to be a Texan again, that's how I feel, and I think that's how people in the building feel. Right. He's a Texan again. Right. He's one of us. And I think the fans feel that way. And he said it. You know, I'm a Texan. And that is beautiful. It's very special to have the bond with the athlete again. It feels like, oh, we are one again. And, you know, Andre Johnson, it felt like that as well. Because Andre became a Colt and then Mm -hmm. a Titan. Mm. And ultimately came back to the Texans where he belongs. And it was such a good feeling. Because you... If a player leaves, a player of that stature leaves, you're just kind of, I don't know, white-knuckling it until they can be done with their career and you can absorb them back into your fold. And that's what's happened first with Andre Johnson years ago and now with J.J. Watt. And it's a beautiful thing that he's going into the Ring of Honor. And I hope I get to do what I did with Andre Johnson and Mr. McNair, which is be up there Mm -hmm. and make the announcements and bring up the McNairs and see that red jacket put on and them getting inducted into the ring of honor and make sure it's a size, whatever it is for Jade, they will. Right. They'll have the right size. They'll have the right size. Yeah. But there's no question. I, I wrote a, it's actually, 
not even really writing an article because the article I wrote was after he retired. And I talked about, I said I wouldn't tell that story about, you know, JJ, my son, and, and shoes, uh, you know, so you can see the link to that because I put that in the article. But it's really just a compilation of all the different times I did. I did Telestrator on, you know, play, and I, I guarantee you there are a dozen more. I just couldn't find them. I just, I, I found what I, I found what I could of, of things. And I remember going through kind of Telestrator think tank, like, okay, what am I going to do this week? What's a, what's a good play to do? And I always knew, I always knew that, okay, spread the wealth, make sure that you kind of make sure you, you give as much love to everybody. Cause at the time, you know, there were, there's some guys making plays and, you know, dudes doing some things and DeAndre was doing stuff on the offensive side, Will Fuller and all that kind of stuff. So I always knew to spread the wealth, but my God, there were so many times that I would, I would go through and be like, I want to tell straight this of what JJ did today. Yeah. I want to tell straight this. I want to tell straight this play. And I found a few. And so you can see him in the articles, the pick six against Detroit in 2020, um, the hundred sack that he had his hundred sack, which ended up coming against Jacksonville in 2020 as well. And I know a lot of people think about 2017 and they think, oh, that was a lost season because he got hurt against the Chiefs. But I did a telestrator of week three against the Patriots. And he does something in that game that was just otherworldly. And I remember watching it. I remember watching it live going, okay, JJ made another play. No surprise. Tackle for a loss or maybe like a stuff at the line of scrimmage. But when I watched it on film, I was, I was mesmerized by how incredible what he had just done was. It was, in, it was incredible. So I telestrated that. Um, and then, of course, the sack against Buffalo, the playoff game. Uh, and we actually had Jacob Martin. You'll hear that interview probably in the next couple of weeks that we did with Jacob Martin. And we were talking about that, that Buffalo game. And Jacob has the big sack on Josh Allen at the end of the game or right before regulations out. But J.J. has the sack that turns that game around. And it's the last time that J.J. and T.J. actually were in NRG together because T.J. Mm. was up in the box watching the game. So I did those on Telestrator. And what I didn't do, and I know I have it somewhere, Mark. I just can't find it anywhere. But doing a Telestrator of the interception against the Bengals, the one that sort of signaled his arrival, if you will, because it felt like after that play against the Bengals, his star went to a whole different stratosphere. I mean, it went to, I mean, obviously the next year is 20 sacks, he's defensive MVP, but it felt like that play triggered, even the next week against Baltimore. I know he was, the defense was tremendous in that game, but he was great. But from that point on, he went to a different level. I wish I, I wish I could find a Telstra or film room that we did of that, that pick six against Cincinnati, because that thing is special. It is. And that off that postseason, I should say, I remember he said, because I asked him in the offseason, what did you learn? What was the difference between the rookie season regular campaign and the postseason campaign part of it, where he had, what, two and a half sacks and the pick six? And Brooks Reed had a couple of sacks, two and yep. a half sacks, I think, mm -hmm. in that postseason 2011. He said, I figured a few things out. <laughs> I figured a few things yeah. out. So there it is. And we were talking with, and we'll hear this interview at some point soon, Jacob Martin, about figuring things out versus college in the NFL and that process. Well, obviously, J.J. went through it pretty quickly to become an elite player because within a year, he was an elite player of this league. I mean, yep. 2012, Defensive Player of the Year campaign, his second year right. in the NFL. And him figuring things out resulted in that. The plays were magnificent. You know, we talk about the touchdowns and the sacks and everything. 
the plays were magnificent day in, day out, the work ethic, the rub-off effect it had on others. My favorite Watt story is always going to be the Barry kids. It's always yeah. going to be the Barry kids. And whenever I'm on a show, out-of-town talk show, people say, you know, what about J.J. Watt? What can you tell us? They're looking for something different, right? Yeah. And a lot of them haven't heard the story of the Barry kids whose parents tragically died in a car accident. And obviously the accident paid its toll on the kids. Yep. And Watt went to visit them in the hospital during the lockout offseason. No prompting from anybody. The organization couldn't even contact him. Took it upon himself to buy gear at Academy Sports and Outdoors. Brought it to the kids. And they became lifelong friends. And there was no publicity attached to that. Now, since it's got a lot of publicity once everybody got a hold of it, but maybe not nationally as much as it should have. Obviously, Harvey's the big national story. But the Barry Kids is my favorite story because it shows you who he is. He did it because he thought it was right. He didn't do it for the publicity. Just did it. And he's done countless things like that. Things you'll never know about. You'll only hear about it maybe if you talk to the people involved and how are you ever going to find them, right? Right. Can you imagine? Because how many people ask you, Johnny, because people ask me all the time, hey, could you find a way to get this, whatever it is, to J.J. Watt to sign? And I'm thinking, how many people who have remotely associated themselves with him over the years get that request right right? Right. so you can imagine how many are actually getting to him yeah you know and we have a whole department for stuff like that with uh current players and they've had a lot of work to do to filter things out but i love that about him here's the other thing when you have a local athlete a local he's a pro pro athlete professional football player in our city whether it's a rockets player astros player texans player whatever But when you have a player like that, but they're also a huge national star and the process of them becoming a national star, it kind of feels strange. It's our guy. Right, right. And now everybody loves him and everybody's laying claim to him in a certain way. Right. And it feels strange. And I went through it with a team. I went through it with the Miami Hurricanes because they were my guys. Right. And we were these monstrous national stars in 01. And it just felt strange to have that on top of it. I had it with Marcus Camby in college as well. It was kind of the college basketball equivalent of the Heisman Trophy winner in 1996. It feels weird when everybody is embracing him, when it's, hey, he belongs to us first. But it means he's really good. And it probably means your team is doing really well. And to me, you know he's such a great crossover star when you see all the other entertainment yeah. things that he's done. Right. When you see Saturday New Girl Live. and SNL and Bad Moms, yeah. which was great. The League. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Really great stuff. And he's a good performer in that material, and it's fun to watch. It's been fun to watch. And, and obviously, we you know put a focus on what he did on the field because – that's what we do. We call the game. We analyze the game. We see the things that he's been able to do. And, you know, you, you kind of mentioned all the things. It, you know, I know what he did for, for my son. I, I had said I would never tell that story until he retired um, or was done. And so I put that story in an article, and you can see that's just kind of one of the stories of many. You talk about, you know, the Barry kids, you know, what he has meant to so, so many people in, in this town for so long. And I'm sure there are, there are media members, there are, you know, high school football coaches, there are business people that have had uh, a, a dealing with J.J. Watt, and they walk out of there going, oh, my God, like, 
he's for real. I got a text today from somebody um, asking a good friend of mine saying, it, just no BS here. Like, behind the scenes, is he as good a guy as he seems? And I'm like, the best. I mean, yep. the best. And, and we've probably run up, run into those those players over the years that, you know, how's that guy behind the scenes? Eh, you know, okay. Well, all right. You know, try not to give too much away, but no. He, he was the he was the real deal. He handles it so well because he so many everything. people so many people are pulling. I don't think him. yeah, I don't think people understand how many people just want a piece. Hey, a selfie. Uh, you know, hand, like everybody wanted a right. piece of him. He can't no go to the store, Johnny. What. Remember, <laughs> remember Hard Knocks. Yeah, 2014, not the 2015 Hard Knocks, which I thought he was hilarious in 2015. But I remember in 2014, Falcons. this was before he has the 2014 season. Mm-hmm. And they show him coming over the bridge over Kirby to get to practice, and it's this really dramatic scene. And I remember seeing it on Hard Knocks, like, "Yeah, all right, that's our guy." And like, he's yeah. our guy. And that was my first year down on the sideline. And I just the things I saw him do, and it really crystallized the Thursday night against the Colts when. I'm not talking 30 seconds before Andrew Luck snaps the ball. You just instinctively said, come on, J.J., make a play. Or it's Watt time or something to that extent. I think I said it's Watt time. It's Watt time. And he picked up a fumble and went to the house, and I thought, I've never seen anybody in a game of football that could do something on command like that. (laughs) He didn't know you did it, but it was like, what? He was that – in that season in particular, he was – Every single game. I think I said it several times during the Buffalo playoff game, and it finally happened. At the right uh, time. So I can't take credit for that one. It's like, it's what time? It's what time again. But, it's but, what time now. Now would be a good time, JJ. And then he makes yeah. the big play. And he did. He would do that. He would do that on command. And I hate the fact that you know, that we were sort of all cheated in 16 and 17, in 19 even. We're not seeing him at his, at his greatest. Because at his greatest, my God. It was almost indescribable what he could do on a on a field. I still, I still say now. I don't think a lot of people will bring this up. I still say the one of the greatest individual performances I've seen in a game was what he did against Cleveland in 2014. He went out on a fade route, caught a touchdown. He got two 15 yard roughing the punter <laughs> penalties. He then had two and a half sacks. I think it was four TFLs and completely shut the game down. Right. On defense. And we absolutely had to have it. On a game that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Alfred Blue was running like 38 times in that game. But he had had about a buck 50 in that game. Yeah. Yeah. 38 for a buck 50. It was like a typical Alfred Blue game. But what? I'm like, what couldn't, what could the man not do? And I'll never forget the two 15 yard penalties were hilarious. But it was like he went out and made up for him every single play the rest of the game. And it was like he didn't have to because he had already done enough. And that was a game we had to win. And I remember the, the feeling of going back on that plane, just like, my God. And I looked at the, the book on the way home, the, the game book, and I remember thinking, and I think I said this to you sitting across the, the aisle from me, and I said, you know, I've never seen this before, Mark. He's got a number in every single one of the defensive categories. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never seen that. Everybody's got all these zeros, zero tackles, zero sacks. He's got a number in every single tack category. Tackles, solo, stat sheet. Every single one, every single game. It was incredible to watch. Yep. And now he's going into the ring of honor, and it's so special. 
And I don't know who the next one is going to be, but I think it's going to be a while. I think so, too. I think it's going to yeah. be a while until somebody else. Okay, I got one for you. Here, okay. okay. So Mark Berman, God bless him, Mark Berman, the absolute best, just went into the media wall of fame. He and John McClain. Yeah. Ring of Honor. Bob McNair, Andre Johnson, J.J. Watt. Right. Who gets a spot earlier? Someone in the media wall of fame or the Ooh. Ring of Honor? I bet it's the media wall of fame. I can't tell you who. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know who. I have some suggestions, but I don't even want to say them on the air. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't, don't play know, I don't know what the criteria are for the media wall of fame. I guess you have to cover the team mm -hmm. on a regular basis. But I know some people who have covered it pretty well and deserve consideration for a media wall of fame. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how they handle that. And as far as the Ring of Honor goes, there's a whole layer of players where if you let one, it's kind of like inviting people to the wedding, right? Agreed. If we invite this person, that means we have to invite this person and that person. And, that, and everybody knows how that goes. You know, you want to hold it to 100 people, for instance. And you invite one more person, that equals 20, because it just has this chain reaction effect right. in right. invites. And I think the Ring of Honor is like that. Now we get down to a level of, of awesome players. Right. Awesome players. But you get one in, and then, well, this one deserves obvious consideration, and this one, and These this were one. no doubters. These Berman, were. Berman and McClain, no doubters. Right. Dre, JJ, and Bob, no doubters. Yeah. Way now above the, the rest. Right. Now the debate would, would start, so I would get kind of interesting. Maybe have another wall where it's just uh, not the Ring of Honor, but the hall, close. The Hall of the Very Good? The Hall of the Very Good? That's not a good name for No, it's it, not though. a very good name. something else. I know. That's not a very good name. But John Grenard is a great name, and he will join us next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back. It's Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris. It's time for another John. A more important John, if you will, Jonathan Grenard, to jump in the studio with Mark and myself. We always have a blast talking to number 52. Oh, speaking of number 52, there's a story. Just hang on. It's John and John and Mark. Let's go. Jonathan Grenard joining us on Texans Radio. Okay, JG. Yep. I mean, we've talked to a lot of rookies and young guys in here, and you're still young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're kind of the older guy it's now. Weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird now. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty weird, but it's it's cool at the same time, just because you get to see like the guys that are in your shoes at one point in time. Um, as far as understanding like what to expect from the NFL, you know, I came in during the COVID year, so you know it was just different. You know, I didn't get the same OTA experience. You know, offseason workouts. You know, just to mingle with the team and the guys like we do now, which is I see now be so beneficial. Um, for, for guys, but, you know, they're they're young and humble and uh, hungry at the same time. So I think they did a really good job of handpicking these guys, each guy, um, to fit with the team. Okay, there are two things that we got to talk about. Here's so, the first one. Denzel Perryman was in here a little while ago, <laughs> yeah. and Denzel Perryman has worn what number for a long time? 52. 52, oh, yeah. But he's not going to wear 52 <laughs> anymore because he said that you got to – you just walled him off on that said no. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it's – it was it was a it's a funny story actually because I remember uh, he texted me I got a text one day um, shortly after he signed uh -huh. and I didn't know he signed yet and you know, I I wasn't checking social media because at the time you know obviously free agency is going crazy yeah, yeah. with signs and this and that so um, I got a text and was saying hey, yo uh, what you think about that fifty two or something along the lines <laughs> like that and I'm just like <laughs> like I looked at it I was like you know okay maybe it's like a spam because I didn't have a number saved and um and then he said this is your teammate and I'm like. This is my team. It's still who's, not helping who's, you. Yeah. Who's asking this? And I just happened to go on Instagram and check the page, and I seen that, oh, we just signed DP. So yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. So 
now it's like, okay, well, it's kind of like late in the game type deal. But um, I think 52, because it was a kind of deal that I, I kind of dealt with coming in my rookie year. Um, you know, I wore 58 in college, yeah, um, yeah. most of major, majority of my collegiate career. And um, I kind of wanted that same thing coming in, but obviously the number was taken. Um, and I thought about changing it then, but once I got 52 and it kind of just stuck. I mean, yeah. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to just stick with it. But it was, it was a funny story just because of how he was texting me and I kind of yeah. left it on red and I was just like, who is this? And I kind of put two and two together with the area code because he's yeah. from Miami and I seen it too. But it was fun. When I met him in person, he was a good dude. He said, look, it's, you don't only got it. I, I can respect, you know, yeah. having that number. So um, I'll wear it proudly and make him proud. For, yeah, for that's sure. very cool. 100%. Okay. Here's the second thing. Yep. Got engaged this summer. I got engaged, man. Got engaged. Super excited to my beloved um, fiance, man, of going on four years, man. She's she's awesome. I, I'm, I'm super excited that we can finally see what this deal coming up next year. So um, exciting time in the life for sure. That's very, very yeah. cool. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. What that. is the date? Our date is April 20th. Um, we mm. are finalizing it now. We're pretty much finalizing now, getting everything set up now so I can at least get some. You know, I put everything on her in the wedding planner. You know, I kind of yep. stay out of it a little bit to a certain uh -huh. extent. You know, got my input. That's but, the way uh, to do it. But, that but, is the way to but do it. But she's doing a really good job. I trust her, uh, her judgment. And uh, also welcoming our first baby girl pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so it's an exciting time this year. That's a veteran move, though, because yeah. that's right when the off-season conditioning program should start. <laughs> so if you're honeymooning right after that, eh, we're going to miss about a week, Coach. Sorry. What am I going to do? It's the wedding. You you're know. right. You're right. You're right. You might have to use a little. Might keep that in the back pocket. All right, Nico, don't don't watch this part. <laughs> well, he wants you to be a good father, good husband, yeah. and all that. Too, oh yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. He might be like. You might give me a little leeway. Okay, you know, you might be, you might be good. <laughs> so, so what about D'Amico? What is it like to be operating under him so far? We haven't played any games yet, but right. here you are on the offseason program. Right. I mean, you instantly can tell he's done it before. Down-to-earth guy, players coach, you know, obviously understands and listens to his players and, you know, obviously still keeps the same thing about himself, you know, um, while while basically still keeping an open ear and open mind to different um, avenues about the game, different perspectives, certain things like that. Um, but off the rip, just from a personal standpoint, you know, just introduced myself when I first met him, um, talked to him. I seen he had his family up here a couple of times. I mean, it was just it, it just seemed like it was just, it was just natural. You know, it was just mm -hmm. and nothing was forced. You know, I, whether our conversation carried on for a short period of time, or a long period of time, it was it was fine. It just felt like it was just natural, organic. Um, and I understood right then and there from the first time I talked to him what the mission was here. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, he he understood what it was before he left and how he had it when he was captain here. And he's not going to accept anything less. That's why you see other guys uh, pulling up from, you know, a lot of alumni past players and things yeah. to show him, like, what who is Cap. They call him Cap. So, you know, yeah. as you all know, um, who Cap is and what he wants out of the team. And it's just so infectious through everybody that walks through the building. You can feel the energy. You can feel the intensity that we're all trying to get and build up to um, because there's a lot to look forward to. And I think that with a guy like him leading us, um, the sky's the limit for sure. John, I know people will look at, Last year's defense, mm -hmm. four-man service. For sure. Okay, this year, it's four-man service. Well, yep. Doesn't change all that much, does it, or does it? How does your role out on the edge change or not change in the new scheme? I mean, you don't have to give anything right. away, for but sure. just for in sure. general, how does yeah. it change for you? Um, I think when you when you look at a 4-3 defensive line, um, they have to be the guys. You know, when you have four defensive linemen out there, there should be – you have more – than, than the linebackers out there. So you have to make up for that. So I believe when you have that many guys out there, he instills to you everybody needs to win their one-on-one -on -one matchups to where, you know, it's not it shouldn't be left to the linebackers or the DBs to clean it up. The D, it should never get past the defensive line, and I'm a true believer in that. I believe he's a true believer in that. Um, obviously, he's a linebackers guy for sure, but um, with Matt Burke, obviously our DC, he's definitely a guy who's a defensive line guy who believes the D-line should set the pace and definitely make all the plays. Um, I 
I don't know how much it would change differently. Obviously, the intensity is going to change and how we run a couple of things for sure. Um, but just overall, in a different perspective, I think with us having the keys now as a defensive line and us being the primary unit that's going to set the tone to make all the plays, well, in, my, in my eyes, I'll definitely take that chip on our shoulder. Um, we love it, and I think that's what you should do and have placed upon you, especially got guys uh, filled up like we did in the offseason. Obviously, Will, you know, Rank, Malik, you know, Roy, you know, everybody mm -hmm. was out there. These guys are just, you know, continuously getting a different mindset of how to play a 4-3 defense, including myself. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm learning new as well that's just going to make me play even faster. You know, guys to just make us think less and just go. So, um, little similarities, but a lot of, uh, for sure, we're definitely going to be the primary part, for sure. Jonathan Grenard with us. All right, what about the offense? Oh, man. What can you tell us about what you're seeing across the line of scrimmage? Look, I don't want to get too high or too low, um, <laughs> but, hey, I'm just telling you, they – they got some cooking on that offensive side, um, and that's and that's as as biased as it sounds. I'm trying not to be biased, and because I've seen it, and as, like you said, I've, I've been here. I'm going on my fourth year now, and I've seen it. Different quarterbacks, different different atmospheres, different offensive, different offensive minds, and Bobby Bobby Slower, he he knows a little something about that offense now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you can just tell it just screams, you know. Obviously that Shanahan style, you know. Obviously come from San Fran and. Uh, you can just tell he had, he took a lot of things from different places and different pieces and made it to his own. I mean, and, and it fits the guys. And there you can just tell the offensive guys are more comfortable. Um, and they're gelling together. And I, I mentioned earlier about having these OTA sessions. These are awesome because you just built that camaraderie on top of you learning a new scheme and understanding how we all want to run it. Man, that that offensive side, defense, we're handling our business for sure, 100%. But I'm telling you all now, the offense is coming with it for sure. Okay. We talked about this a little bit, and you yeah. mentioned it a couple times. Yeah, you, you've been here. You've been here a little while. Yeah. Outside of Kaimi and Weeksy, <laughs> who are the only players that have been in Houston longer than you? You got Titus and LT. That's it. Got to be. That's, That's it. it. That's it's it. only, it's gotta only be. two. Yeah, I keep track too. I mean, I, I, yeah. I still remember when you came in right. as as a rookie during yeah. COVID. Yeah, you know that was that was a, that was a crazy time to think about it now, just to yeah. see how the normalcy that we have now. Right. Um, you didn't go through the true like draft. Process. I mean, people they don't understand. I mean, it's I come in off of a a COVID year. You know, it's just who knows what to expect. You know, you got to right. roll in with the same guys pretty much as you did in 2019. You know, it's it's hard to fit certain guys in that haven't been a part of a certain process. Um, but just to see the transformation overall, you know, every year I feel like I knew everything. Now I keep getting to another year. It's like I learned something new, and I don't know everything. So that's just not just football, but it's life. So I think that's the the joy I get out of uh, being here kind of so long. Um, and hopefully we we turn – not hopefully. We're going to turn this thing around. So um, I'm excited. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Jonathan, thanks a lot. Good luck. Always. I appreciate you all for having me. Yeah, Denzel Perriman will wear number six. We got the true story about that. We'll share that maybe later when we have Denzel on the show. But great stuff there from Jonathan Grenard. And great stuff from Greg Little, the former five-star who used to protect Kyler Murray back in high school, joins us next right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. John Harris, your host, football analyst, sideline reporter. You now it's fun catching up with John Grenard. And we're going to finish the show catching up with, well, a new Texan, well, a new Houston Texan. But he is not a new Texan. That's Greg Little. Big. I mean, Big when he walked through the door frame. Wow, I was like, man, he fills up the door frame. And I was like, you must be Greg Little. He's like, I am exactly Greg Little, the former Ole Miss All American, drafted in the second round of the Carolina Panthers, spent last year in Miami, moved last year and before he got to Houston to Katie. He tells us about that right here. Here's Mark and I with Greg Little, offensive tackle for your Houston Texans. 
Greg Little joining us on Texans Radio. Okay, Greg, so uh, we've been talking to some O-linemen, and we know that you guys aren't going to get fined for any interviews. There's amnesty. Scott <laughs> Quisenberry <laughs> let us know about that, so that's good. Uh, you let us know, though. How's, how's it going so far here? It's been pretty good. Coach uh, Ryan's got the, got the culture going in a positive direction, you know. Um, we're building something that's, you know, trying to withstand staying for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, really just trying to turn this around in a positive direction. Um, everybody I've met here since being here has been great. You know, they love football and care about football, and that's the most important thing when you go to a new team facility and much of around new guys. You know, if you guys don't have the same um, goal and one guy is kind of just there, you know, it, it's, it shows like a sore thumb. So, you know, everybody has the same goal here, and we're trying to win. And we, we didn't come here to be a rebuild or any of that. We came here to be efficient and get, get a job done. So that's our goal this year. Greg, I know – there may not be people out there because obviously you got here just recently and fans haven't seen, you know, any preseason games, regular season games. And they may have seen you play for a different team, but they probably weren't paying attention. So what does what does Greg Little bring to the table here for the Texans so Texans fans can get, a, get to know you a little bit? Um, Going to give you all I have, you know. Um, can play a lot of different positions, can do a lot of different things well, man. Uh, love being a teammate guy, you know. I feel like every locker room needs a couple of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Cool everybody. I can say hello to everybody and have a conversation with everybody. You know, um, I'm just here wherever coach really needs me and help you guys win in any way possible. You know, um, I'm a true team player. You know, um, this and my goal is to win as a, as a, as a whole. Yep. You know, nobody wants to lose. Yeah. You were on the same high school team as Kyler Murray, right? Yes. So what was that like? What was he like in high school? It must have been ridiculous. Some uh, of the plays he was able to make. Things. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, we were talking about that today, like that. So I went to Allen and yeah. Dallas, and yeah. um, we were pretty dominant, man. Uh, uh, just go ahead and say it. You didn't lose a game. No, yeah. I, I, actually, I lost one game my um, senior year, my last game going oh, to state because he was yeah, gone. Okay. By he was right. gone he was my gone, last yeah. year. But uh, I mean, those those teams I played for in Allen were great. Kyler um, was unbelievable. He's still an unbelievable player person. Um, it was a lot of fun just sitting back. I never, I mean. I never seen a guy just sit back and he was running down the whole field yeah, by yeah. himself and just while you watch the show. Um, mm-hmm. But we had a lot of great guys, you know, from the from those Allen's teams that's playing in the NFL now, like Jalen Jones from the yeah, yeah. Bears, et cetera. So, was Bobby Evans Bobby, the other tackle? He was the opposite tackle. You opposite right? Tackle. Yeah, that's right. That just hit me when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. We Holy had Levi Ozarike from Washington, second round pick two yeah. years ago. Yeah. 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 Um, Jalen Guy and the receiver for the uh, yep. Chargers. So. Yeah, we was at North Texas for a yep. while, mm-hmm. right? That man, no wonder you guys didn't lose any games. I always remember that comeback game that you had in the playoffs. Soto. I can't remember who you were playing. But was it DeSoto or that you beat? Skyline. Somebody you came back, you were playing in Jerry World, and you guys came back from behind DeSoto. and won DeSoto. a game late. Yeah. I think it was DeSoto because it looked like DeSoto was trying to beat you guys for a while. Then you go to Ole Miss. I can imagine when you got to Ole Miss, because of your background, you're a five star guy, you know, you've got all the physical dimensions. How much did you hear about Laramie Tunsil? When you went to Ole Miss, were you compared often to Laramie? You know, the fact that you were a five-star left tackle. You know, they just had Laramie, and now they got you. Did you ever hear any of those kind of comparisons when you were at Ole Miss? And now that – and how much did you know Laramie when you were at Ole Miss now that you're in the same locker room with him? Um, Laramie was just getting drafted when I came in. So yeah. we kind of missed each other. But, you know, from coming back and, you know, meeting them from Vegas yeah, yeah. and stuff while he was playing, um, we had a great relationship and stuff. Um, Ole Miss coaching staff did a really good job of not trying to do that. Yeah. You know, let me, I was my own person. And right. I really didn't hear Lamry's name much at all. Oh, that's you know? good. Um, he was an amazing player for Ole Miss and what he did. 
And I'll be lying to say I, I didn't come in to Ole Miss trying to recreate, you know, right, repatter right. uh, a lot of things he did. But, no, they did a good job of letting me be my own man and be my own person, man. Awesome. Greg Little with us. Greg, give me a pitch for Ole Miss. My kid is looking at colleges okay. right now, going into his senior year, and I know a lot of Houston kids like to go to Ole Miss. So you tell me. All I've got is Sandra Bullock in the Blind Side movie right now, <laughs> right, okay. and that looks all right. But you tell me. Um. So I chose Ole Miss one. Um, I know A and M's in the in, in the mix too, probably in that mix. Yes, A and M for uh, two is. years. It's um, the difference between Ole, Ole Miss and a lot of schools is the um the feel of just being authentic. Uh, mm. Like you know, for this from like you know football standpoint, you know just being like you can be yourself there. You know the the, the, the campus. They were so appreciative of people coming there. You yeah, know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. It wasn't like an Alabama where it's like you're the next guy there or stuff. <laughs> right, like right. you know, people were so humble. You get a sandwich in the in the in the line, people talk to you about it. It's not football stuff. You just talk about life or I'm from Dallas too, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was the biggest thing. It was just everybody was so respectful and authentic. And I feel like it was really a place where I didn't have to like be some, something I wasn't, you know. Right. You haven't been in Houston too long. And I know Dallas is obviously home free, so I want to mm -hmm. ask you Houston or Dallas. I won't get into that. But how do you like Houston thus far, the fact that you've been here? And during the break, you can go back home. What are you going to do during the break? Um, so it's weird. I bought a, I sold my house in Dallas last office and bought a house in Katy. Really? Just oh, coincident? Wow. Last just, year. Last really? year, yeah. I was just like, man, I've been to Dallas my whole life. And yeah. I always like Houston, and I trained in Houston for the combine. So oh, okay. I bought a I like house that. in Katy. Who'd you train with? I trained at O Athletic. It's uh, Trent Williams Gym okay. and Adrian yeah, yeah. Peterson Gym out gotcha. there in uh, the Heights. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, right. it's yeah. a uh, yeah off I-10 in Katy, and uh, mm -hmm. it was a, it was a smooth transition when I heard I had interest from Texans. I was actually praying that I was play at home. So. Yeah. Ooh, very nice, Greg. Yeah. Very great nice. to have you on. Good luck Thank to you. Man. Thanks Thank a you lot. Guys. Moved to Katy. That was kind of nice. Old Miss. All-American Greg Little now in his fourth year in the league with the Houston Texans. Asking him about Larry Tunsil, I, I didn't want to kind of go into things, but I'm sure he was probably compared to Larry Tunsil at some point, but I was glad his answer was was on point. Doesn't think about that. And he comes in here competing for playing time. We had Austin Deculus come in studio today. Charlie Heck is still here. Uh, and Greg Little is added to the mix. So we've heard a lot of players talk about the more of the depth that's been here, the guys that we talked to. So Greg Little, I think, fits right into that category. A big thanks to Greg Little. A big thanks to Jonathan Grenard for stopping by. Of course, Mark being here. Anything and everything that you want to see as it pertains to J.J. Watt, we have for you at HoustonTexas.com, Instagram, Twitter, all of those. You can read it. You can watch it. You can listen to it. It's great stuff. Go check it out. Big thanks to everybody for watching. And following, as you always do, celebrate this day the 99 way. And as always, go Texans.